Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody today? Big Dave and Joe, another show here from South Florida as we bring you Poker Action Line on another week. And we're happy that you downloaded the show or tuned in on any of the places where you get your uh, podcasts, whether it's Spotify or SoundCloud. We're happy to have you, and we hope you're with us every week as we we have some big guests upcoming during the fall. I think, Joe, let's start there because uh, you met someone very interesting that uh, you hope to have on the show, and it turns out that it's very timely right at this moment. Uh, yeah, Big Dave. I uh, had the pleasure of meeting a gentleman by the name of George Joseph. Um, he came down to assess our room from Vegas, and um, I, I know I called you excitedly uh, telling you that uh, what, a, what, a, what an extremely interesting and, uh, you know, uh, man this, this guy is, and um, very... Uh, I told him, I said, he should, have, he should have been charging me for the education he was giving me. <laughs> uh, he's got a, a world of knowledge, written books. Um, he will be sending me one, he told me. Um, and let me tell you, Dave, Joe, guys, the, the stories he was telling me, I, I didn't want it to end, to be honest with you. I think I could have sat there for 10 hours with this gentleman listening to his stories. He's been called as an expert witness. Uh, you know, they tried to get him for the uh, Phil Ivey situation, the education he gave me because I asked him about the situation, you know, with the uh, edge edge sorting. And he gave me a complete breakdown of how that worked. And it's so fascinating, um, you know, the way it was. And he was, I don't know if you remember when we spoke about that, Dave, but, you know, I, I kind of argued. I go, listen, if he didn't touch the cards and didn't do this and, you know, edge sorting, and I'm sure some of our listeners know exactly what it is, but it was very simple to get uh, a slight edge. And um, I'm not going to go into all the details that he told me about it, but it was just fascinating, and um, we got into just talking regular and, um, you know, how they do cheating, and he's given seminars all over the world. He's a gaming consultant, and, um, man, he just blew me away. He just really blew me away. For people who don't know, Joe, uh, who runs the uh, card room at Casino Miami High Lie, uh, which is owned by Phil Ruffin, who uh, a longtime staple in Las, Las Vegas, uh, owned the uh, Treasure Island, several other events, was actually uh, had Donald Trump as his best man in his wedding. So, uh, um, you know, uh, Mr. Ruffin, who owns the place where Joe works, obviously is good friends with Mr. Joseph and invited him down to get some tips on uh, maybe how they could improve their room there uh, in Miami. So uh, the timeliness is the fact that he knows such a great deal about Phil Ivey in his case. And uh, you did mention that he didn't touch the cards. I think the main problem that it was discovered that he was uh, in cahoots with the Chinese dealer. And uh, that was what basically brought they, him down they in the end. That they noticed a manufacturer's defect, okay? And, you know, it, it was funny how, you know, uh, George, as I called him Mr. Joseph, he said that was his father, so I'll call him George on the show. <laughs> uh, George told me, he goes, listen, 
the, the casino, the Borgata could have. He, he he even told me he goes the Borgata had even told him that that they wanted to use him as a as a expert. Um, um, what's what's the word? I'm losing my train of thought here. The, an expert witness, I guess right. you know. And um, he says, "No, you don't want me because I, I'd probably be a lot better for Phil Ivey's side of it, you know, because he showed me that hey, they could have you know changed cards. They could not have followed this, but." the explanation and it'll lose something on, you know, on the show because without seeing it, um, it was, it really was amazing, you know, how it was done. And it was just to get an edge. And, you know, there were so many things the casino could have done to, you know, prevent that. And, right, uh, right. you know, and simple techniques, you know, but, um, for a later show, I'll go into the details that he told me probably why they didn't do that. Um, and stuff, but um, then he, you know, he's he's done classes, he's gone all over the world, uh, you know, in this aspect of uh, training people and, uh, you know, showing people, you know, and he told me in his book how people cheat, and let me tell you, he, he goes, I haven't had a lot of practice in a while with this, but he started dealing cards. You know, I was telling him about how this one guy did this, and he go, and he goes to grabs the cards, and he goes, "All right, here, you shuffle them, this, that, and the other." Then he goes, and I was sitting within a foot and a half of him on a poker table as we were discussing this, and he goes, "Let me know when you want the ace of spades." And he just started dealing cards, and I was looking at his hands, and I go, "Now, boom, there's the ace of spades." And he did this four or five times, and he goes, "Here, shuffle the cards. You know, cut them, box them, do whatever you got to do to them." So then I asked him, I said, are you, are you dealing seconds or bottom? And he goes, I'm dealing seconds. And he was just so smooth at this. And then the real impressive part was when he started doing it with one hand. And he goes, I'm very rusty at this right now. But he was popping one card out with one hand. And then he goes, there's your ace for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I said, uh, I told him he should have charged me for the education that he was giving me and, and those amazing stories that in, in the short time that we had together. So. Uh, he, I asked him if he'd like to be on the show. He told me he loves talking about poker. And um, so hopefully in the very near future, we can have him on the show, Dave. Yeah, definitely. Uh, his book, uh, or his, one of his uh, big topics is the secrets of casino cheating. And he can talk about all kinds of different scams. I always find that interesting because I know that, you know, it's just a matter of fact that if there's money involved, people are going to try to find a way to take an advantage. So, uh, you know, if he can help out casinos by telling them what people will try to do, that's really a good benefit to any room. Oh, Dave, you know, now that you're at the second, you know, when I spoke with him yesterday, you know, we, we spoke for a good hour and change on Saturday. Um, you know, after we had discussed some of the things that, you know, might improve our room and everything else and and um, still waiting to, you know, hear what he, you know, what report he's He's given forth to Mr. Ruffin and then to Mr. Lashardi. Um, so he was telling me, oh, you know, I had mentioned about uh, my, my mother's uncle who I met when he was in his 80s and marked the cards in front of me with a knife. And, you know, this man had to be 83, 84, and I was 15, 16. I still couldn't see the markings. And he, him from a, across the table could tell me, that, oh, that's the Ace of Hearts. And he goes, you know, in my younger days in Cuba when I used to, when I used to go from town to town, he goes, I could tell you every single card in there and what suit they had in their hands, you know, because back then they played uh, five-card stud and stuff like that. And uh, he he explained to me on Saturday, you know, that they were doing this dab, and and you know, and he goes, look, I'll use a little bit of the oil for my nose, you know, is it? 
and I couldn't see it. You know, he mar- he did put a little thing there on a, on a king, and he threw the you know he went through the cards. He goes, "There's the king there," and I'm I'm going nuts looking for it. Well, he brought a card of bee of uh, uh, bees. You remember the bee cards? Yeah. Um, and um, he showed me there, and he goes, "Look, big diamond, little diamond. That's part of the edge sorting. If it's not equal on each side." You know, you can get an edge there if you know how to mark it. And uh, he he did it, and finally he threw the card. He pitched the card away from us, and you see the shade. You can't see it in front of you, Dave. You know, I don't know how else to explain it. You can't see it, but he goes, imagine if I could mark, you know, as the deck comes around, you know, for a while. I'm, all I'm doing is actually just marking the cards. And And I told him, I asked him, I said, George, you know, I'm looking at the card straight on. He goes, no, you're not going to see it. And I go, and he goes, and you can't stare at somebody's hands because then they're going to know something is up. Right. And right. I told him, and I said, yeah, I, I guess you have to practice this for many hours to train your eyes. And he goes, that's exactly what you got to do. You know, and you take a glance, but it was so funny because when he did it yesterday in my room and he pitched the card, I saw exactly where he had put his finger on the card, you know, and it right. gave a little shade on it. And it was like, you know, and he was explaining to me how, you know, uh, you know, in poker, how you can try to avoid that by changing the stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Well, let's save some of this information for when we have him on. I don't want to get too deep into it because uh, uh, we'll hear it all from the experts for sure, but we definitely will have him on. He was uh, the executive director of surveillance at Bally's for about a decade uh, in the late 90s. And uh, just kind of brings up a thought. Of course, uh, we talked about me starting as a poker brush over at Dania, which I did uh, on Friday and throughout the weekend. And uh, some interesting things happened that uh, I'll always have some probably little stories here and there. But one of the main things was uh, we have a very extensive high hand uh, promotion going on where the first three hours of the day, they give away $2,000 to the high hands, split up first, second and third place. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you come down to the end of time, you know, uh, it can be uh, just a matter of seconds, as you know for sure, Joe. But one of them was uh, um, actually it was the second period. So three o'clock ended a period where they had uh, 750, 450 and 300 for the three prizes. And uh, right at three o'clock, there was a uh, straight flush dealt. And the question was, did it come in time or did it not? So uh, the supervisor uh, made sure he checked with the surveillance. They had to run the, the tapes and find out exactly. And as it turned out, uh, the straight flush was actually dealt two seconds after three o'clock. So and I he, guarantee you the player who was dealt that missing out on the 750 was screaming bloody murder. Well, that he was... He was an older gentleman, and uh, people at the table were hoping he was very well-liked and uh, people wanted him to win, so they were pulling for it, but it's cut and dried, and it was actually uh, 3-0-0-0-2, and so he got the next prize, which was a uh, $200 every 20 minutes, so instead of winning $750, he won $200, but, so it wasn't a complete loss, well, but it's yeah. interesting because that was one of my first days on the job, and I saw how important the surveillance is and how they're on top of everything. Well, let me tell you something, and it's interesting because sometimes, like um, in every single room I've ever worked in, you know, when they've had the clock for that, it's usually not synced to the exact second, you understand, with the, with the regular clock, right. okay? Sometimes there's as much of a difference as 
10, 15 seconds, you know. So I would imagine, I, I don't recall now, but um, when I worked there at Dania, Dave, but they do have the clock on the wall, right? They're, they, you know, they're, 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 their countdown is it on yeah, the on the wall? It, it is. It's not on the wall. It's on the, the TV sets. Uh, the on TVs, the, excuse the, me, right the on the posts. TVs. Yeah, on the on the columns. Right, because exactly what you were saying. Uh, coincidentally, you know, we have our because you know, Dania started a few months ago doing that. We've been doing that particular type of promotion. You know, has been our big promotions. You know, our Saturday now has a five thousand dollar giveaway from one to five. For the you know top four hands, you get twenty-seven fifty for first, twelve fifty, and then six and four. And as you just mentioned, we've had many incidences where that has occurred. Okay, and the dealers know to yell out high hand. Now, as an experienced man who's you know running the room and being a supervisor for you know for twenty plus to almost thirty years, you know as soon as I hear that, the first thing I do is look up. As soon as I hear that. Even though it hasn't been verified, somebody at the table, you know, the, the hand, the hand has been, um, you know, turned up. So you hear, you know, high hand. First thing I do is look up to the clock, and right. so I know whether it has fallen within the time frame of that particular promotion. And yours truly here, um, I had to step in for a dealer on on our Saturday promotion, and um, about six seven weeks ago, Dave, and. There was literally 58 seconds left, you know, before the promotion ended, and the players at the table, you know, they, you know, I don't know what the what the minimum requirement is at at, at Dania now, but in my room is there's got to be at least $12 in the pot, $2 taken out for the jackpot, two for the house. So there were six players. They all decided to call the $2 blind. So that that took care of the uh, requirement as far as uh, dollars and cents goes. And they just checked it down, and I put runner, runner, and a guy hit a one-card straight flush to the queen, okay? And I looked up, and there was literally seven seconds left before the promotion ended, and, you know, we yelled it out real quick. I, <laughs> there's no questioning me. I'm looking at the clock right from my dealer's chair. So, um, uh, but we do check all high hands in our place, Dave, right, right. Uh, regardless, because we marked down the time that they would hit, the table, the seat. And, you know, over the last, since I took over the room in November, I was actually out with the, uh, you know, with COVID. But I instructed my people to investigate all these hands, Dave, because uh, the 2-4 limit players are what I call bingo players. They're not poker players. They're there mainly to try to hit the high hand, so they're trying to put the minimum amount in the pot. And some of these guys will, you know, sometimes it'll be heads up. There's only $4 in the pot, and they check it down. And, you know, as you're checking it down, you know, sometimes you're going to run into a high hand. And then somebody bets four, and they're trying to give a signal or make a comment at the table because if the other person doesn't call, there isn't enough money to qualify for the high hand. And believe it or not, I have probably disqualified close to 30 hands from uh, November till till now. Yeah, it does uh, it does does get disqualified, and that was another case of a player. Uh, just going back to this last one, uh, you know, when when the supervisor asked the dealer what she thought 
uh, she said, well, I looked up and it looked like it was three seconds after. So she was right on top of it. She was pretty accurate. Although there was one player at the table that said, no, there was one second left. You know, and so they went and they, they, they didn't leave it up for any question. They just uh, they ran the tapes and uh, and he ended up. I would have wagered that all the money in the world that I own, that I have, that somebody at that table, if not the, the quote, winner, always says that. There's never been an incidence because, one, the person whose hand gets beat is complaining that it was after, and obviously the person who hit the hand uh, is claiming that it was before. And, yes, you know, you, you definitely have to go to surveillance. they got to set the clock there, um, and then they can, they, you know, obviously with so many cameras in the room, they can see the actual, you know, uh, countdown clock that is there. It may not say the exact time on the tape as far as, you know, I don't, let's say it ends at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, the, it may come in at 3.01, right, but right. because the clock is behind a minute, you know, it still counts because you're using that particular clock, or it could end before 3 o'clock, and, you know, regardless, you're basing it on whatever clock, you know, whatever the time the clock is fading in your room, you know, okay. the, the, the high-hand clock. Is it, is it raining inside your house? No, sir. <laughs> I'm in my backyard, and oh, okay. I discussed this with Joe prior to the start of the show. Is it a problem, Joe? It is not. No, it is not. It is, it is fine. It gives character to it, and given the uh, circumstance that you had said that moving to the outside is going to make it so you are able to do the show, uh, I think... I think it is okay, Dave. You obviously okay. are going to have to make that well, call, but it's uh, it's not raining in my house, so I didn't even know what that was, but I wanted to make sure. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, there was one other similar incident that I wanted to pass along, where uh, a fella would have had the high hand, except that one of the players folded and left the pot just a little bit short, and so the guys they tried to say. Well, he, he doesn't have to fold, does he? And, and uh, the supervisor was there and said, I can't allow that. That's collusion. That's uh, exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, stuff so, like that. So what happened was the guy didn't get the high hand when the ace came on the river and gave him, a, you know, I guess aces over queens or whatever. Aces over tens, I think it was. And uh, at the time, it would have given him the high hand. But uh, he didn't make Probably. it. So the funny thing was the very next hand, when they kept playing... The dealer made a mistake in the deal, and the same guy who would have got the high hand, they had to call the cards back in for the missed deal, and he says, what's going on here? I had pocket queens that time. So kind of uh, tough luck for him. Yeah, well, you know, like, well, as you were just mentioning with the rain here in my backyard, when it rains, it pours sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. It used to happen at Dania when I, when, you know, when I was there. Same thing, like I said, two, four players are there. And they, they get cute, you know. They, they go, hey, so what did you, did you have that ham sandwich for today? You know, <laughs> which, is, which is the signal for them, or, you know, they'll mention... They, you know, they, they, I don't know what they're thinking. They think they're being cute instead of saying "call me," which they know the hand will be disqualified. But um, you know, it's it's the same all over, Dave. You know, they want to get in as cheap as possible, and um, you know, and then when they do hit, there isn't enough in the pot, and everybody goes crazy. I've killed a hand because a player said the other player goes, "I'm calling you with nothing," and he turned the cards over because he knew the guy betting at the end, 
there was a uh, uh, you know three of a kind on the board you know over the uh, jacks and uh, you know he knew of his opponent bet and he's hoping that this guy will tip him something later. We you know we disqualified the hand. The guy's going well. That's not my fault. I said no. The guy obviously did that and he should have no business calling that hand. And you know I've always said you have to keep the integrity of the room up. I've had so many people who I've killed, like I mentioned a little while ago. I've killed easily 30 or more hands, and we keep track of the ones that aren't on the board. So on one particular Saturday, I had to kill two of the top four hands, so that moved up the fifth and sixth hands that were off the board into, you know, into the prize pool. And um, as life would have it, my explanation always is to them, and it's happened to so many of them, look, I disqualified yours. Now you got into the money because I disqualified somebody else. I said, I don't know about the rest of you guys. I go, but I don't want anybody cheating to knock me out of, out of a, a high hand or putting up a false high hand up there that I may have gotten a little less than that, but if theirs wasn't up there, I'd have won first place, you know, and it's a lot of money. And, you know, now everybody knows. Now they're always going, hey, I'm on fifth place. Are you going to check? I go, we check all the <laughs> now. Now they're looking for, for people <laughs> who, who are colluding so that they can be, their hands can be disqualified. And I just think that brings a lot to the room. And the other argument simply is, bet your hand. You know, they, I always tell them, no, I go, bet your hand, get the money in the pot before the river. And they go, oh, no. And I go, no, the reason you didn't do that is because you didn't have anything until the river. You didn't want to bet your two pairs, you know. And, you know, you catch your miracle card on the river, and I just tell them, bet your damn hands. You're not playing poker. And, Dave, let me tell you something. I guarantee you, you know, from our South Florida listeners who play in this type of game, they'll tell you this. As a 2-4 player in a limit game, if, if, even if you're betting the minimum amount to, you know, to get into these pots, and, you know, some of them will get to $20, $30. On rare occasion, you'll see a $40, $50, $60 pot in a 2-4. But if you're playing 2-4 for a three-hour period, four-hour period, whatever time it is, and all you're playing for is to hit a high hand and you don't, you're going to lose $150, $200 easily in a day. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I hear those complaints. I'm sure you're going to start hearing them sooner or later now that you just started working there. And, and I always tell them, I go, play the game to, to make money. And uh, uh, one of the complaints I had this week, the guy had pocket aces, flopped an ace, Decided to check it down. There was enough money in the pot, so if he had, you know, if he had paired up or gotten the fourth ace, he'd have been, you know, he would have qualified for a high hand. But he checked it down and then gets upset that he gave, you know, the turn and river, you know, free to his opponent, and uh, somebody ran into a, you know, into a straight. And if he had bet the hand, that guy never would have called because he had to hit runner runner. Right. So. It's a double-edged sword for these guys, you know, yeah. and uh, I love when they start complaining to me. I well, go, if you start playing poker, you know, you, you're, you're outcast, you know, you're, you're the, what happens could change, the, you know, your scenario, but, you know, this is how they're programmed now down here in South Florida. Yeah, people are going to do what they're going to do. The one thing I found really interesting, and you had warned me about it, but, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, when these promotions end and there's a little bit of a gap between the start of the next one, people will just get up and leave when the clock hits uh, that 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 uh, target time. 
Uh, I knew that probably was the case, but it was pretty dramatic in, in, in my uh, view, seeing it for the first time up close. The other thing was, you know, when nine o'clock hits and the room's opening and they have kept people outside the door to before they open the room, all of a sudden nine o'clock rolls around and the people are uh, streaking up the uh, escalator trying to make sure that they get a spot at the table. It's pretty funny. And it's the same people every day. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, Dave. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but, you know, when I ran this room, when we first opened it up back in the, the end of 2012, 2013, you know, um, you know the situation in our in my room, right? There's, a, there's an entrance right by the poker room. But for some reason, security back then opened up the furthest one, you know, the one, you know, the main entrance over there. And every day I would open with no less than, than four to five tables, nine players. Now we sit seven because of everything that's going on. So you would see 36 to 45, 50 people literally dashing because not only did they want to get a seat, they wanted to go to a specific table and a, and a specific seat on that table. So, and I, I told this one guy, he goes, nah, you're, you're full of it. I go, come here. And I, they, they open the door and I go, watch. It's, it's like the running of the bulls, you know. <laughs> they yeah. all started running in. And like you said, uh, I guarantee you, you know, if, if there was a really big high hand during the early part of the promotion, you lose tables. You know, they're like, oh, I can't hit first place now. You know, if God forbid somebody hits a royal in the first 15 minutes of, of you starting your promotion, you know, you lose half of the tables that you got. And the other ones that people keep getting up to go to Babylon, they don't have any urgency because they know they can't get first place anymore. And in some cases down here, you know, uh, when our competitor, when we first opened up this room, Dave, it was funny because I'd run a, a promotion and, uh, and on certain days, the room would have two or three more tables than we would normally have. And I would just look at somebody and go, let me guess, somebody hit a royal at Hialeah? <laughs> I think I was right, you know, not, yeah. nine out of ten times, you know. Right. So, um, you well, know, that, that's what happens with 2-4. But in the big game that you were mentioning right before the show, these people could care less. They're not even playing for those hands. You know, when, when, you're, when you got two five players and above and most one-two players in a really good one-two game, you know, They'll look at the high hand. They'll be interested in it, but you're not playing your game based on that. If you happen to hit a high hand, it's a bonus, and you're very happy about it. Well, but, you know, yeah. you go there to win the other player's money as they go there to win yours. Right. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, and right now, my job, you know, they, they call me a poker brush. I'm more of a chip runner at this point, I guess, until I learn a little more of the room and uh, it's funny, I did get a phone call the first day that I answered when the, the supervisor was away from the desk, and the guy asked me what the high hand was, and I told him, and, and uh, when he came back, he said, what that guy want? And I told him, and he said, you know, we don't really want to tell them what the high end is, because then they make a decision whether they want to even come down to the room or not, and it gives oh, them an absolutely, advantage. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, all I tell them is, listen, um, especially if it's at the beginning of a long promotion. Right. The last thing, especially if there's a, forget about a royal, even if there's a straight flush or even, a, you know, four aces, four kings up there, I always tell them, oh, it's it's a full house right now, you know. Um, I don't know if, if uh, Dave's running it aces. I think your room has aces full or better. 
Aces full or better, correct. So well, yeah, another well, supervisor, very simply, he goes, he goes, I just answer, tell the guy it's aces over deuces. <laughs> it's very simple. They're, they're, you know, they're, right now, we don't have a high hand on the board. No one's hit a high hand on the board yet, or it's, it's aces full of, you know, whatever, you know. And uh, I don't care if I'm looking at a royal in front of me, um, you know, because we know how those players react to that, yeah, you know. Tell them it's a straight flush to the king. They'll just say, wait. It's oh, wait, forget about it, you know. If they even show it all. You'll, you'll start hearing that whistle, you know, in the tumbleweed in the western. <laughs> that's, that's how the phone will be after you tell them that, you know. So, uh, yeah. So I just tell them, hey, listen, right now, uh, when I've answered that phone, if my brush is actually doing chip running, chip duties, chip running duties, I'll answer and say, yes, oh, no, our promotion is this, that, and the other. I'll usually tell them if it's within the first half hour, I'll tell them, listen, there, no one's qualified yet on the board. That no well, one has hit a qualifying high hand yet. Well, I enjoyed my first few days. Uh, you know, as the dealers got to know me a little, they tipped me more. I think there's decent money for me to be made. Uh, it was a little tougher physically than I expected it to be. Uh, something that I'll just have to get used to. But uh, as far as dealing with the people, most most people were very nice. She did get a couple of jerks that were sarcastic uh, when you know they I didn't know something they expected me to know. Uh, you know, like when I asked one guy, uh, it was a, I think it was a, it was a two, four limit table and he gave me the money for the chips and I asked him what he wanted. And he said, he said, ah, red, of course. And yeah, I said, just, I said, yeah, I said just tell me what you want. Just tell me what you want. Uh, you know, don't Dave, expect me I'll to give know you a little anything. tip. You know, if they give you, if they give you, um, because I don't know if they're running any one twos, like I know they used to run those tournaments, uh, when home, um, uh, when Omar was running the room late at night, so it's a little different story. But you know, with the majority of your table there outside of the big game, um, it's usually just going to be whites. But every now and then, you ask them, I go, all you know, all whites, all ones for you, because some players do like to have some reds on the table, you know. Right. And sometimes they'll give you a hundred dollars. I go, what do you want? Um, you know, in our room, it's a twenty dollar minimum for the two four. Some people want to buy 40. Some t- people tell me, bring me the whole rack. So, you know, th- there's nothing wrong. It's, it's better that you don't assume. But when it's 2-4, I'll ask them all whites. And, you know, because I have been told, oh, no, man, you brought me, you know, 60. I wanted 40 in red and 20 in whites. So I, I avoid that problem, and I've trained my brushes to do the same thing, you know. Right. And that obviously uh, – you know, you're making, uh, you know, soft breaks, correct? Your dealers right. are calling out, you know, 40, 60 uh, on a table. And in most places, Dave, um, the dealer's giving 40 in whites from their tray, you know, and waiting for you to bring them back to 40. So sometimes if I see there's a lot of blues there, I'll ask them, you want it in, in whites or, or, in, or in, in our room at purples are the $2 chips? Right. Because sometimes a dealer just doesn't want a, a tray full of whites. Yeah. So... Again, you know, you adjust it to your room, but, um, you know, it just makes the room move so much and smoother. It, and it's different with every dealer. You know, some people let their box get really low before they uh, actually give in to uh, having a fill. Some of them like to keep them up top and, and ready to go. But you always run the risk of 
you know, a period ending for high hands and a table breaking up just on within 15 seconds after that. So you got to kind of be ready to uh, to make the fills. It's everyone's different, and I'm learning a lot right here in the first few days. Well, so it's been have a lot you of fun. been walking around? I know it's only been a few days for you, but I've trained my dealers. Look, don't wait for them to call you. You know, the experienced dealers know exactly what to do, and you'll know who they are in a very short period of time, okay? But the ones who are inexperienced or just run banks badly, you know, I've got brushes coming up to me going, oh, they want 68 in white, you know, uh, 48 in purples, which is a two, and, you know, and 100 in reds. And I look at them, I go, no, I'm going to give you, you know, 60 in blue, 60 in purple, and the rest in red. Forget those odd numbers because yeah. it just slows down when you it give does. them the chips and they got to stop. And it, the op- game. and it opens you for the uh, the girl at the cage to make a mistake too. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's much easier. I have one the guy that I have one guy that that you know he'll he'll look for a period of time where he'll need. Uh, uh, you know, 40 whites and uh, the rest in purple, and I'll fill one rack. And uh, you know, you don't. There's no mistakes. It's very easy to do. And like you said, you know, you, they don't know you yet, but you know, the dealers should be tipping out the brushes. I've always told them to do that. You know, that everybody should be sharing in in this. And you know, a good brush will earn even more tips because I've taken brushes with me, and I go watch. They're waiting for the dealer to call them. I'll go by and see a dealer that's in a very good game. They don't want to slow it down because they, you know, probably got a lot of good tippers on the table. Right. So I'll go by and I'll go, uh, hey, George, I'm going to bring you 100 in blue. And they look, oh, yeah, thanks. Boom. You understand? I don't need to take every dollar out of their their, their tray. Right. I just need to make their tray functional so that the game keeps running smoothly. Right. Well, it's a whole system that I have to learn that uh, is, it's not difficult. It's just... You know, it's different, and you have to you have to be uh, flexible and, and do things on the fly. So it's going to be exactly. fun. I think and I'm that's gonna, just I think learning. I'm that's just experience, Dave. Right. Exactly. Okay, let's get to a few other things here on this program. A lot of news out there. Uh, reactions to the World Series of Poker schedule. I want to talk about that as uh, uh, Ty English came out with uh, his response uh, to what was happening. Uh, big tournament at the Win out in Vegas, uh, similar to what we saw here in South Florida a few years ago. Uh, the Win running a tournament with a $10 million guarantee, $10,000 buy-in, and they are moving along with some of the biggest names in the business. An excellent tournament. I'll talk about some of that. Uh, Phil Helmuth, is he the GOAT? Is he the greatest of all time? He beat Daniel Negreanu for the third straight time to end that heads-up match, that heads-up duel. Uh, and we'll get to some of that as well. So let's take a break here on the show. We'll talk about a few things, uh, legal things going on in the world of poker. Nothing new for the state of Florida, uh, but Connecticut did get approved by the Department of the Interior, and they are moving forward to become another state. Virginia looks like they're very close to heading forward. And we'll talk about all these things when we get back. Poker Action Line, another edition. Thanks for joining us, and we hope we'll stick around for the whole show. Dave and Joe will be back after these messages on the program. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. 
It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. as we bring you Poker Action Line. Big tournament out at the win now in their day two. Uh, day one, day two A and B was yesterday, two C today, as they started over the weekend, a $10,000 buy-in. And, you know, to the people who uh, want to take a bit of a risk, uh, go the spoils, it seems like. And they've done very well, much like the Seminole Hard Rock did a few years ago, uh, offering a $10 million guarantee. And, you know, there hasn't been a lot of big uh, tournaments like that since the pandemic, but uh, they gave, decided to give it a shot and were rewarded handsomely, I'll say. Uh, they uh, they picked up a guarantee, uh, smashed a guarantee, I should say, with a prize pool of 12483000 That with, means over 1,200 people at 10000 yeah, Over 1,300, 1,320 people with a final and, count. And the mid-cash for uh, the bottom 134 who survived the event, Twenty-five grand, so a pretty nice payoff. Let me tell you, Dave. You know that is a big number to put up there, but uh, it's telling you that they have some smart people running that. Because what are we usually talking about at this time of the year? Right well, now, serious. today is uh, June. What is it? Twenty-ninth, thirtieth, thirtieth. It's the main uh, event around the corner. Right. We're talking about the the main event is about to start in a couple of days, usually. Right. Exactly. 
And, uh, you know, since since the World Series announced, you know, or much earlier that they were going to start on September 30th and, you know, Vegas opening up, you know, win, huge property and, uh, you know, great poker. Uh, I think this is a very, very good calculated risk that they said, hey, you know, look at the success that's happening around, you know, the country, the rooms that are opening, uh, what we spoke about, what the Hard Rock did, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, it's very smart, you know, build that excitement. Um, I guarantee you they'll probably have something nice going during the main, you know, during the World Series uh, period also. Yeah, top prize, uh, $1.248 million. And uh, there also was bounty aspect to the tournament, so the eventual really? champion, champion will walk off with a ten with a two million dollar bounty. What do you mean a two million dollar? You mean on the final table is the bounty? Uh, I don't know exactly how that works, to be honest with you, but uh, well, because if if they're getting a hundred thousand dollar bounty, uh, you know the the winner could knock out the other eight players and walk away with that, but. Uh, Wow, that's a nice aspect to $10,000 buy-in with a bounty. Well, certainly they did something right because uh, the headline of the uh, section about the tournament said, did anyone not play in this tournament? So uh, all, the, <laughs> all the big names, people like Tony Duns, Cliff Josephy, Alex Foxen, Kristen Bicknell, uh, World Series of Poker champion Damian Salas, Chris Mormon, Negranu, Hennigan, Seidel, Johnny Chan. I mean, you could just go down the list and it's all a big name group of people. Uh, after the day ones, uh, Bryn Kinney, the unofficial chip leader, uh, and Cliff Josephy was also in the top 10. They are currently now in that day 2C that I mentioned. And, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, huge names that are that are they're playing very well. 1,328 total people right now. They're down to 246 left in the event. And uh, are uh, they they should all be or very close to the money, right? If they're paying yeah, 15 percent. Yeah, know if they it might is 20. It is very close. I don't have the exact time on that. But current chip leader is Modest Symbolis. Followed by Frank Fanaro, Andy Park, Joseph Sona, and Andrew Marino, and then Ari Engel, just outside of the top five. So you got big names. Uh, you got uh, uh, players that have been chomping at the bit, I think, to play in a tournament like this. So now, oh, I absolutely, guess it's not a absolutely. You know, I think the numbers, you know, are going to be, you know, I don't want to say record breaking, but I bet you. They're going to be much higher than they're anticipating for when the WSOP, uh, WSOP starts starts their tournaments uh, come September, October, November. Right. So. Now, the WSOP online portion is uh, beginning in early July, so uh, that's just around the corner. Uh, I was reading some stories about this uh, WP Heads Up Championship where it was online, basically, but a lot of players got together in Cabo San Lucas and we're basically in the same hotel, and a lot of them were playing uh, online against each other, head-to-head. -head. It looked like a battleship game. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, that was very interesting, and that was how uh, you had the final picture of uh, Phil Ivey and Patrick Antonius uh, right after they finished the final match. We're in the same hotel room uh, and took a picture. So, uh, you know... No, that, the two that, are kind of getting combined. Both playing, wait, wait. They were both playing in, in the same hotel in the same room? Uh, I don't know if they played exactly in the same room. There were players that did, but uh, they were online, uh, you know, playing each other on computer. 
you have to yeah you have to take it on blind faith that uh, everything is on the up and up when they're that close to each other. Yeah, well, there's a lot of money and a lot of competition uh, against each other, so you know uh, I don't think there's these enough the kind money of to be spread around if everybody wants to decide to do something like that. I you know their integrity would be questioned, but you know these these are people that you know that have never had issues with that, so. Right, but uh, you, you know, know Phil Ivey, well, he may he might do some uh, card edging at uh, Baccarat, but he's not going to cheat uh, Patrick Antonius across the table. No, 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 no. And uh, <laughs> you remember that last week you mentioned that Phil Ivey was going to be playing, and um, one of the questions that I did I that that I did pose to uh, George Joseph, uh, and I believe I mentioned it to you a few days ago, was that apparently Phil Ivey did come to some sort of agreement with uh, the Borgata. Remember they a few years ago when he won some money and they they right. seized that money. So well, they they didn't reveal the final final numbers and he probably never will. But uh, at least uh, they got right somewhat. Yeah, you know. So um, hey, for me, you know, I've always enjoyed the hell out of you know Phil Ivey playing. You know, he's he's just you know such a, a world class poker player, and it's uh, so much fun to see him you know back in these tournaments. So. What, whatever those issues were, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's, uh, for better or worse, straightened them out. Well, I want to move on to the World Series of Poker because we did talk about quite a bit last week since the schedule came out with 88 bracelet events uh, starting on September the 30th and running through November the 23rd. Of course, we'll have the online events starting in July, and uh, there'll be less attention to that, obviously. But I think I mentioned uh, – the uh, executive director of the World Series Poker, I, I called him Ty English. It's obviously Ty Stewart. And uh, he answered a few questions that people had about the release of the schedule. And one of the first questions that a lot of people said, why would you release that this early? And uh, he responded by saying, uh, well, you know, we developed scenarios to try to predict where the health and safety, the health and safety guidelines would be by fall. And, uh, you know, since things are starting to return to normal, we thought we would get it out early and then we'll have some time to uh, make some changes if they have to. I, I think that was a wonderful response to that question, no? Yeah, absolutely. He said, you know, one, the one thing we want to do is not release it too late. Uh, you know, you want to avoid the uh, lines that they have for registration for some of these events, especially with the COVID problems, whether they're going to be serious in the fall, who knows. But uh, he wants people to take advantage of their electronic registration and entry system. And uh, he thinks that'll make it a better experience for everybody. And let me tell you something, you know, I'm sure their brain trust uh, has seen what we've been talking about today with the, uh, with the 10 million guarantee at win. Uh, they're seeing that response now. So obviously with, you know, three months to the start of this and, you know, hopefully situations getting a lot better throughout the country. And um, like you said, you know, the, the big issue is how to handle those large influx of people, poker players that are coming into town. Uh, they've addressed some of their serious issues from years ago, you know, with early registration, the tips that they that we've given on the show that you know the guests have told us uh you know of, of registering you know at one in the morning 12 you know when the lines are a lot shorter or non-existent right. so right. um you know uh, I, i'll tell you what i i have a feeling that the biggest problem that they're going to have is securing enough dealers dealers, dealers and right. i don't even want to say quality dealers because it's just so hard i mean you know you're grateful that you got bodies that are there, uh, as we've discussed in previous shows. Uh, 
you know, on the poker dealer app on, on, on I mean, chat room and, and Facebook. Some dealers, you know, can't stand it. Others are saying, hey, it's great experience, you know, so to each his own. Uh, they go, oh, they get mistreated. Uh, it's an unfortunate uh, circumstance that when you're not the greatest dealer, you know, you're still breaking in, you may not be treated with the, you know, with the kindness and respect that every human being should be treated with in the poker world. But there's so much pressure, so many hours are put in by, by everybody in the, you know, in the, that's involved with it, um, not just from the dealers and the supervisors, but from the food, you know, everybody in that room has to be a little bit stretched because of so many people coming in. Right. Uh, well, we talked about, I think last week you asked me a question about the big 50 and what was going to happen with that. Well, there were huge, huge lines for that, and they wanted to avoid that, so they're not bringing that tournament back. They have something a little bit similar called the reunion, but uh, we'll talk about more of that in a future uh, show. But he says to make the guarantee, we will need more than 10,000 entrants for that, so, so we have no concerns about accommodating field sizes. So uh, that is one event that uh, certainly will come back. Uh, the Big 50 was basically something for the 50th anniversary of the World Series of Poker, and uh, there's really no need to bring that back as far as that goes. Which, which was a huge success. It was a huge success, and they may return to something similar in the future, but we'll see. You know, they're, they're, they're not walking on eggshells, but they're certainly tiptoeing their way through uh, in this thing because they, they don't know exactly what's going to be happening down the road in September. Well, yeah, God forbid there's another outbreak, but, you know, listen, um, we're all hoping for the best, and I honestly believe that, you know, it's going to be a huge success. Right. I mean, you know, it, like I said, the win, what we had here just a few weeks ago, um, it's just a small indicator, in my opinion, of what's, you know, waiting to come. You know, people are, are ready to travel, ready to, you know, try to get back to their normal lives and that includes poker players who you know whose dreams you know like we always talk about the little guy you know the ones who save up enough money to be able to enter a couple of small tournaments or multiple satellites out there to try to win their way and you know win life-changing money right exactly uh the um the online portion of the series, normally the live events are kind of interspersed with a few online events. They're not going to do that at all. They're going to play their online events this summer, uh, starting July 1st. And uh, it kicks off with a tournament called the Big 500 kickoff. And they'll have uh, events this summer uh, playing through, I guess, August 1st. So that will be out of the way when they get to September 30th and the live World Series of Poker. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Dave, do you know if, uh, I mean, I would assume New Jersey is going to be part of that because they yes. already, you know, did that. Are, do you have any idea if any of the other states have no, uh, come uh, to sort of agreement with that? Well, there's uh, try, people trying to get it done in time. Michigan is one, and uh, there'll be a few others, maybe Pennsylvania. But we'll see. Uh, right now, uh, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen because there's a lot of uh, legal red tape to go through. All right. Well, listen, I certainly hope so for the poker players around around our country that <laughs> whose lives were turned upside down. What was it, about 10 years ago or so, Dave? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, some of the other questions that uh, Stuart fielded uh, when people were asking, uh, he said there's a bounty event called the Poker Hall of Fame Bounty. It's a uh, $1,979 buy-in. That's on November 17th. It honors... 
the Poker Hall of Fame by offering fans the chance to play against some of the game's legends. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Also, uh, we know that Huck Seed was the only inductee last year, but we'll see if there's two players that are going this year. The other big change uh, uh, that is really combined with the fact that they are not going to be on ESPN anymore, but on CBS Sports, the main event usually played over three days. This year, it's been cut back to two. And uh, Stewart said, we never really needed three days. Uh, you know, we just did it to accommodate uh, programming windows on ESPN. But CBS has a different format, which will only require two days of play. He said it's better for the players. And uh, he didn't want to dilute the, the unprecedented deep stack nature of the main event, but wanted to keep the duration manageable. So... Uh, he you said talk, we did. Oh, because of the way ESPN used to do it, where they right. you know, go through four or five days. Right, you know, and they had to fit it in around their other sports and things like that. But he said we did have to go to four starting days, which is more than the normal three. So uh, all that stuff, uh, you know, some interesting things. I've always felt that the World Series of Poker has been over backwards to try to give players what they want. They're always going to end up complaining about one thing or another. But oh. uh, <laughs> certainly we'll see what happens. And, and who knows if this is who knows if this is going to be the final uh, the final uh, Rio series, the series at the Rio. So. Well, wherever they decide to run it, I mean, you know, the Reels done a great job while they've had it. Um, you know, it's it it is the the um, you know the the, the prize jewel of, of poker tournaments. So, um, and like you said, Dave, it doesn't matter whether it's in tournaments, in live games, and and no matter what room, you know, you, you try to adjust to make the, the large majority of the people happy. And, uh, you know, even doing that, you're still going to have your chronic complainers and people who are just, doesn't matter what you do, they're never happy. So, uh, as a poker manager, at the very beginning of my career, it was a little hard because I honestly did try to think I could make everybody happy. And, you know, as time goes on, you realize, listen, (laughs) this is, it is what it is. You know, either accept it or don't, because I'm not going to make my life miserable just because uh, you, you're not happy about one little detail of an event. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did want to touch on uh, Helmuth versus Negranu. They played last Wednesday, uh, their third match. And, uh, you know, uh, Daniels had some big leads in the first two. Didn't have, He did have a small lead early in the match, but uh, uh, Phil pretty much dominated this one toward the latter parts of this game and really took control of the tournament uh, with a really bold bluff. Uh, just give you this hand real quickly. Negreanu opened the betting with pocket deuces, and Helmuth re-raised with just eight three of clubs in, in, in his hand. Uh, Negreanu pushed back three bet of 13,000, and Helmuth fired back with another bet, and then Negreanu called. Uh, the flop was 10-6 jacked, didn't connect with either players, but Helmuth uh, uh, checked and then called when uh, Negreanu made a bet. Uh, the six of clubs came Pairing on the board, turn right? that uh, that paired the board and also gave uh, Helmuth a flush draw. Uh, Phil fired out a bet and Negreanu f- decided to fold, although he was leading the hand and that chip swing put Helmuth in the lead and then he never looked back. Yeah, well, Negrano was in a tough place there because even if Helmuth 
you know, didn't have a pair. The board pairs, you know, <laughs> any high card beats him. Um, as you mentioned, he could have had the flush draw. Um, there's a, a lot of uh, – you know, Daniel was ahead there, but I, I don't know what the percentages would have been, but um, it was probably close to a 50-50. Right. You know, just off the top of my head, you know, uh, right. thinking right. about it. So. Um, uh the uh, quote from Phil after the match said, uh, this was the match I played my best poker. Uh, Daniel started with an amazing card rush and got me down before I went for that crazy bluff. Uh, but I just went nuts. I thought he couldn't call me, and I was right. After that hand, I felt really confident, said, I'm great. I'm going to win this thing. And then I got him down to 60, and I had 340K. And, you know, I played a lot of poker in my life. I've seen people come back, and even – like I came back in the first match, he said, but it's a matter of staying focused, and I knew I didn't want to make any mistakes. So he finished things out, and uh, that is the end of that one. So three straight over the magician, three straight over kid poker, and uh, people are wondering what's that up next for Phil. Well, listen, there's a reason this man owns so many bracelets, right? So uh, he is, you know, he's, he's always been a wonderful, you know, outstanding poker player, so uh, I'm sure this is going to spark uh, his interest to play in a lot more tournaments, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, with the confidence that he got from beating Daniel and, and the magician. Some so. of the uh, interesting uh, suggestions, obviously, Doug Polk is one of them that people want to see him play to ground or uh, Helmuth. Uh, Jonathan Little has been brought up by several people. And how about Doyle Brunson? That would be a very interesting match, would it not? <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh... How old is Doyle now? He's mid-80s, maybe? Yeah, 85 or something like that, I think. So, wow. Anyway, uh, so that one ends, uh, you know, uh, I don't don't think a lot of people would have predicted uh, that Phil would win that match so easily. Although I wouldn't call it easily. The first one, he was down in chips 19-1 to and ended up winning the game. And this was all, you know, this was all online. Uh, no, they were no, they were they were in they were in the studio together at uh, oh they were in po- studio poker, together. Poker I'm sorry, Poker Go Studios. Okay, well, listen, uh, <laughs> if either one had won three in a row, would you have been surprised? You know, I'm not surprised that Phil did that, and I don't think I would have been surprised to hear that Daniel had done it to him either. You know, you yeah. talk to world class poker players, so. Uh, it it is what it is, you know. It just shows how great they are. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, a few other things. Uh, don't want to get into too deep of a strategy discussion right here. Maybe we'll touch on next week an interesting article I read about uh, people who play micro stakes, uh, ways to uh, improve their game to double their winnings. Uh, so maybe we'll save that for next week. But uh, okay. uh, one of the under- interesting hands from Helmuth Negrano was in in uh, the second match. Uh, Jonathan Little kind of ran down the hand, uh, and we'll talk about this one real quick just to see what you think, uh, because both players seemed kind of surprised at the outcome, but uh, the blinds were 400-800, and Negranu put in a min-raise, and Helmuth uh, looked down at King-Queen offsuit in the big blinds, so Helmuth could either three-bet or call, or... Uh, Jonathan Little said he should be using a mixed frequency to, which, when deciding which option to take. Uh, he took the passive line and just called. The flop was three diamonds, jack, five, and deuce. Uh, meanwhile, Phil's uh, king was a, was a diamond also. So 
Um, Helmuth checked. He had the second nut flush draw, and Negreanu bet just 800. Helmuth. That's uh, an easy call or raise there because he's got two overcards in the second nut flush draw. Right. He did make the call. He had a choice, Jonathan says. Uh, you know, if he were to raise, he would might face face a three bet and be behind most of Negreanu's range. But he said also King High does have a little showdown value that if you just call here and it checks down, you miss, that's okay because sometimes you end up winning the pot with that King High. Right. But in general, he said, when you have a draw on a marginal hand that has some showdown value, you should look to play the hand more passively, and he did. The eight of diamonds came on the turn, giving him the flush. So he, he, uh, Lil says, when you're out of position and you make a strong hand, you want to keep your opponent betting with marginal hands or bluffs. So checking is okay. So that's what Helmuth did. I Negreanu, would have done the same thing. <laughs> Negreanu checked behind, and then there was a queen of diamonds on the river, leaving the board with all diamonds. That was a great card for Phil. Right. That's a great card for my, in my opinion, for Phil, because either Negreanu had the ace, <laughs> or because he that he didn't improve. That that queen didn't improve. The only thing that did was now there's five diamonds on the board. Now if right. Phil bets, you know, uh, Daniel got to re seriously think about calling, you know. And I don't know what the outcome was, but go ahead and tell me what how they bet the last round. Well, he, Daniel uh, Little says uh, it's a spot where I think you can go either way, uh, whether you bet small or or bet uh, larger or larger than that. Uh, he said if DeGrano has a flush better than the board, he's likely going to call and may even call for the chop. But using a large bet size would put DeGrano in a tricky spot with his non-diamond hands, but would also gain calls from most of DeGrano's hand that do contain a diamond. So before betting, Helmuth needed to consider what uh, Negreanu believed to be uh, his range to be, and Helmuth decided to check. Uh, Negreanu bet 2,400, and he said, uh, and Lil says, I would only ch in, ch look to check raise in this case if Negreanu decided to use a small to medium bet size, which he did. That's because when Negreanu uses this, that size, he's usually going to go for some thinner value. So as it turns out, uh, Negreanu knew that Helmuth usually plays on the tighter side. And surprisingly, Helmuth just called then. And Negreanu was holding the Ten of Diamonds. But, well, but uh, it, that's true because that, that diamond would have played if, if, you know, if Phil had a diamond that was lower than the Ten, you know. But it seemed like uh, Negreanu was very surprised to see that Phil had the King of Diamonds with that play. Well, because of the way he, he hid that hand, you right. know. Uh, he got that value. I am surprised uh, that, you know, Phil didn't come back and, you know, and, and put Daniel to the test there, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, but maybe he just wanted to get a read on Daniel, uh, you know, for, for later on, to, <laughs> which is hard to say, but, uh, you know, maybe he was similar situation occurs down the road and he knows how to play that a little differently, but right, exactly. um, wow, it, it's great. It, you know, it's funny. You, you're talking about analyzing these hands and we're talking about, you know, two world-class players 
which uh, we can only pray and hope that we get to be half as good as any of those two players. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, that was actually in uh, the second matchup. And so uh, the latest news is that Helmuth wins in three straight over Danny Negreanu to taking down uh, a total of $700,000 from the magician and Negreanu over the two matches, winning six straight matches. So uh, maybe he is. Maybe he is the GOAT. I don't know. Well, listen, if he isn't, he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Big tournament out the win. We'll look at the results next week. They're down to 228 players. And uh, we'll check that out over the weekend. Chip leader is still Matas Symbolis over Frank Funaro. And uh, some big names in this tournament. Ari Engel is in the top 10. Brian Piccioli, Andrew Heckman. So uh, we'll have the results next week on that one. And we'll pass those along to you. Uh, also look forward to having Mr. Joseph on the show. Uh, George Joseph, uh, very pretty much an expert on surveillance and watching for cheating in the game. So might be a very interesting article with the news. Fascinating of Phil, man. Phil Fascinating Ivey. man. Let me tell you. He, he, he totally mesmerized me. Let me tell you. That's, uh, oh. that's how interesting he was. So. Well, we'll have him on the show for sure as soon as you can arrange it. Uh, but that's going to do it, Joe. Thank you very much. And Joe Costello also, thank you as well. We're getting out of here for this week. We'll be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Line. Don't forget to always pick us up on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to have you back again soon. And a happy 4th of July to everybody. Absolutely. Thanks for, for joining us. We'll see you next week on another edition of the program. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.